it started me thinking like an entrepreneur and investing in myself in the possibilities. I think I put 35 or $40,000 of my own money into that project. And I started to run into some of the issues like, well, that prototype doesn't do what it was supposed to do. I, I just saw it as a money pit in a way, and there was no light at the end of the tunnel. That's when I decided like, I gotta figure out how to, how to make money today because I'm blowing through my reserves. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten in that. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. My name is Chris Bello, or Christopher Russell Bello is my full name. And I kind of went the similar route to a lot of people, right? I went to uh, school, university, got the college business degree, worked in oil and gas, thought that was the dream job, only to find three and a half years. And it took me a little bit longer than it took you, Sam, to figure this out. I was like, I don't think this is my path. But the funny thing is I had never stopped to think, what is my path? What do I want? It was all, what are other people around me doing, right? You're a product of your environment. And so quitting that led me to find myself as a podcaster and real estate expert here in 2021. So that's what I do. I'm a connector. I just love meeting new people, sharing their stories, sharing my story, really having fun along the way. Cause like, this is life happening right now, you know? Yeah. So I want to go back to around like 2010, 2013, where you're at Texas A&M University. Why did you decide to study supply chain management? Like what, like that doesn't seem like the sexiest degree that you could look at. So what was the rationale between or behind studying that? I had never really taken the time to figure out what I want to do. It was just looking around. I literally looked at what are my friends doing? Okay. Business school, business school should make you money. I could see myself in a suit behind a desk, owning a business or something like I'll do that. It was kind of a sexy degree at the time, at least the way they marketed it was companies need this. They're willing to pay, you know, 50, 60 K out of school first year, oil and gas energy companies. Right. So that really perked my ears up where I'm like, okay, process of elimination. It's not accounting, which I'm clearly not good at. Uh, it's not like a business generic management degree. And it has a pretty great starting salary. And that was honestly how I picked it. It's got the highest money for being the least difficult appearing business degree. <laughs> Most money for least yes. work. So. so that's why I became an entrepreneur, right? After graduating in 2013, you got a job at Baker Hughes. How did that compare with your expectation of what you thought the industry would be like? Because you said it was sexy marketing. So... What did it actually turn out to be? It was similar to what I expected. I mean, our, my university, Texas A&M, did a good job of preparing us for that. We actually had executives and team members come in from big companies and they would help grade our cases and say, OK, they're, they're almost grooming the talent and seeing who do we want to hire? Who's going to be the cream of the crop that we want to pick from this class? And so we got real world experience in terms of solving real problems that we would see in the corporate world. And so, I don't know, I always felt a little stressed, like I, I'm not interested in this, but let's put this whole project together type thing, right? But it wasn't until I did it long enough that I realized like, even though I kind of expected this, 
it's not satisfying me. It's not bringing me joy on a daily basis. Why wasn't it? I think the thing that didn't scratch my itch or didn't sit well with me is like, if I save a company millions of dollars and I only get like a 2% or 5% raise, that didn't make sense to me in terms of the numbers, right? Like I wasn't super incentivized to change the world or really improve the bottom line of the company if my financial position was not gonna change, if I was still only gonna have 10 days of vacation a year. Those were the things that mainly didn't sit well with me. But the thing is like, you only have your circle of friends to compare yourself against until I guess you pick up some books. So uh, what were some of the books that, that you picked up while these thoughts of having a different life were, were creeping up? They were still very much going down the corporate path and that's all I still saw. One friend was working with the big firms in accounting, another one was an engineer. And so I felt like what was wrong with me, you know? I didn't see anyone else around me thinking like I did. But then when I started listening to podcasts and reading books, which to answer your question, a few that were very uh, transformational for me have been Four Hour Work Week, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Those two were like some of the first two that I read. Why did you decide to pick those up? Was there like a moment where you're like, okay, I got to read this? So I think Shark Tank had those entrepreneurial gears turning and I was just starting to look into other options, fell into podcasts. To, to kill the time, quite frankly, while I was sitting at my desk doing something I wasn't interested in. And probably through one of those podcasts, they may have had a book recommendation, like, hey, Rich Dad Poor Dad really changed my mindset. I picked up the book and that's when it started. You know, I started binging on podcasts, reading all of the books. So I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. The podcast led to the book, which led to me thinking like, I gotta get out of here, you know? What was the mindset? shift? Was it just knowing that people who looked like you and were similar to your career trajectory were living these lives that like were apparently real and maybe achievable? Yeah, the, the mindset shift definitely clicked. I mean, previous to then, I'd be looking on Instagram and you see the person working on their laptop at the beach with this, you know, 20K a month business and I never really put two and two together that that could be my life. For some reason, I just thought, that's cool. I'm glad they have that. I work here. I get paid every two weeks type thing. But when I started to read these books that empowered me and said, you know, like Tim Ferriss talks about on the four hour work week, how there was this guy who was an attorney and he just wasn't happy with what he did. And he literally just stopped doing that and went to like Costa Rica or something and started a surfing business. And ironically, now people come visit him and they're just like, man, I'm so jealous. I love what you do. I wish I could do this. And the punchline is like, you can. When I started to believe that, that's when I started to more seriously say, that person did it. That girl did it. Why can't I do it too? And that's when it all changed where I started seeing, I can't trade time for money. You know, I can, I can bring so much value in X amount of units, scale my income, buy myself time back, live anywhere in the world, right? So... The shift was when I believed that it was possible for me. So what was the first action that you took? Because like, it's one thing to have the mental shift to believe that it's possible and to know that it's out there. It's a completely other thing to actually take action towards doing that thing. What did you actually do to take action? In terms of trying things and failing and getting comfortable with that, I think it was like, December, like November, December of 2016, I was already listening to startup podcasts. I was hearing about people growing and scaling and exiting businesses. And my friend and I came up with an invention idea. 
he had a 3D printer and he knew how to do anything on that 3D printer. Like, I don't know, he was the, he was the printer guy and I was the idea guy, right? So, so we just started generating ideas, writing things down on paper, printing them out. That's the coolest thing with the 3D printer. He could design it in a day. We got a model tomorrow and we can see, does this work? Is this realistic? What do people think? It started me thinking like an entrepreneur and investing in myself in the possibilities. I think I put 35 or $40,000 of my own money into that project. I started to run into some of the issues like, well, that prototype doesn't do what it was supposed to do, or gosh, that thing's more expensive than we expected. And we bought a domain name and like someone else bought the same thing and trademarked it like without, with like a one letter difference. And so there goes 2,500 bucks trying to address that with the legal thing, right? So I, I just saw it as a money pit in a way. And after I spent about 35, 40 grand, I had quit my job at this point. And I think I had 60 or 65 grand saved up. So like, burning through my runway very quickly and there was no light at the end of the tunnel and so we're like well we have these things that are creating products that aren't even working to fix it we got to spend more money and hire engineers possibly so i kind of told my friend we both looked at each other and we're just like i think this is where we put this aside for now we at least have a patent on it we've got some sort of tooling that's in a warehouse that we can dig up and dust off in three years when we feel like it but that's when I decided, like, I got to figure out how to how to make money today because I'm blowing through my reserves. So what's this next idea? Um, tried several things since then, you know, selling phone cases on Amazon, creating a sales funnel and creating a course on how I flip stuff from garage sales. You know, that kind of gives you the idea. It's overwhelming. And you're like, gosh, you're all over the place. Cause yeah, I was definitely all over the place. And that's when I finally read the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And I'm like the one thing, not the 20 things. Okay. Like get rid of all the noise. Let's focus in on real estate, which is what I'm doing now. Uh, and I've been able to actually scale that up and see success as well as the podcast, which is more of my passion project and my way of connecting with cool people like yourself. And so what are you most excited for in terms of these projects today? I really love connecting with people, man. Like somebody just asked me this the other day and they're like, well, what's your goals? What do you do every day? And I, I'm almost just playing through life. You know, I go with the flow a lot and I do have appointments on the calendar in terms of, well, I got a podcast or two today. Tomorrow I have a call with someone who wants to buy or sell a house, for example. But I have a lot of blank space in the calendar where I'm at the gym. That's the flexibility that I love to have. Almost like you see these people like Dan Bolzerian or Steve Aoki and they're playing video games with like Justin Bieber at 2 p.m. That's how I want my life to be in a way where I can do the spontaneous stuff, have fun. Like, hey, you want to go indoor skydiving? Uh, three o'clock, I'll meet you there, right? How do you live that kind of life? You've got to have flexibility built into it as well as a lot of blank space. So that's what excites me most is just connecting and hanging out with people. I'm a people person. 
I think it's also something that you have to constantly optimize for because there's like calendar creep. Yes. So like if you make a, a, a consistent effort to clear the BS from your calendar and optimize and offload as you're taking on more projects. Man, I just read something today that that said it's Tools of Titans. I'm, I'm a Tim Ferriss fan, obviously, but I hadn't read any other books. But um, something that I read said you have to create Slack because otherwise you'll never have that space in your calendar. So I became big on reading morning routines. You know, I meditate, I go to like a chiropractor, I go to a massage therapist. Like I really am focused on self-care, sleeping eight hours a night um, because I want to op- optimize everything in life to perform at my highest level. And part of that has been building this ridiculous space where I can literally work four hours a week. I, I tell people I probably work five to 10 a week right now. I don't keep track of it, but that allows me the time to just be present with someone. I can meet someone. It's funny, my fiance has a job she started right now because I talked to someone at the hot tub at a sports recovery place like two months ago. And here she is working remotely downstairs from this amazing dream job of hers, all from having the space, right? If I was just like, man, you know, hey, I don't have time to talk to you. I got to go. I got a podcast, right? If I didn't build that space, we wouldn't have connected for 10 minutes, which led to similar to your story, like just having someone you could text in order to land an opportunity later. That's what happens every single day. If you are just present enough to have a conversation with someone that you might as well, or you may have not met met otherwise, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I did. I need to freaking take that advice right now. <laughs> Dude, and oh I can tell you a tip if it'll help you with productivity and stuff. I can tell you what's worked for me um, if you find it relevant. But I do use the booking software. I'm sure you do too. But I was super crazy intentional. I use Calendly and I wrote it out. This may be helpful for you. Like I spent 30 minutes writing out what is my ideal schedule? I'm like, okay, what would I do on Monday? What would I do on Tuesday? Hmm. I've been really busy on Fridays and like I want to have a three day weekend if I can. So I blocked off Friday, right? I blocked off Sunday. I'm like, Saturday, I'm cool doing one or two calls at noon or 1 p.m. because we're usually hanging out at home. And what you find is that two weeks later, instead of your calendar constantly being full, you're like, man, I'm burnt out by Fridays. You're like, I have no appointments on Friday. I'm gonna go on a three hour hike because I can, but you only get the space if you build it into your calendar. Otherwise you see calendar creep. So if you can take the time to really brainstorm, what does your perfect week look like? It's really experimenting to find out what works best for you. But because of the intentionality, you can't book me past 6 p.m. on Monday through Thursday. And so I find that like, I am so crazy. I'm willing to lose $10,000, $20,000 commission to follow my rules. If you want to call me right now and you want to sell a million dollar house, but I have to go there in five minutes, it ain't going to be me helping you. Like... <laughs> I really urge people to be very intentional, like your sacred space and your time to breathe. The the music is created in the silence. I think I read that in Tools of Titans as well. That's where the magic happens. And that's where you could bring your you know 120% A game to everything else that you do, even if it's only like two hours that you really work per day. I think that's an excellent place to end. Uh, thank you so much, dude. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, uh, where can, uh, people find out more about you and your podcast? Yeah. So my podcast is called entrepreneur motivation podcasts. Of course, it was awesome having you on there. Uh, if you just type in Chris Bello on all the platforms, you should be able to easily find me. And I'm also most active on Instagram 
and my handle is Chris Bello underscore, just C-H-R-I-S, B as in boy, E-L-L-O underscore. So shoot me a DM, ask me any questions. I'm happy to share. You know, I got so much time during the day. Like literally, I'm just sitting here waiting for someone to message me sometimes. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our Chief of Staff and Operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Nay B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox, Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibadat Rai, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Sohail Amartya, Tiffany Dang. Jonathan Wass and Diana Marie Kendaza. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.